So our scripture, our reading this morning is from the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. There's two stories here, water from a rock and Israel defeats Amalek. Water from a rock. The whole Israelite community broke camp and set out from the Sin Desert to continue their journey as the Lord commanded. They set up their camp at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people argued with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why are you arguing with me? Why are you testing the Lord? But the people were very thirsty for water there. And they complained to Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us, our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what should I do with these people? They're getting ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go ahead of the people and take some of Israel's elders with you. Take in your hand the shepherd's rod that you used to strike the Nile River and go. I'll be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will be able to drink. Moses did so while Israel's elders watched. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites argued with and tested the Lord asking, is the Lord really with us or not? And then Israel defeats Amalek. Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some men for us and go fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I'll stand up on top of the hill with the shepherd's rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him. He fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel would start winning the battle. Whenever Moses lowered his hand, Amalek would start winning. But Moses' hands grew tired, so they took a stone and put it under Moses so he could sit down on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on each side of him, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Competence can be a curse. Competence can be a curse. This is the opening line for Min Jin Lee's novel, free food for millionaires. When she was recently asked, what do you mean by that line? She says this. I think this happens to a lot of high functioning people. We think that we can do everything. And in our process of doing everything, we don't do the thing that matters the most. We don't do the things that take the greatest risks because we are so competent. And often we're overtaxed by our competence and we don't know that. Often we're overtaxed by our competence, and we don't know that. The very wise Ralph Orness once said to me, your problem, Jenny, is that you're good at everything. <laughs> now, I'm not good at everything. Do not have me direct or even be in the bell choir. Do not ask me to conduct the choir like Roth. Do not ask me to teach you piano like Barbary. Do not ask me to coach football. Do not ask me to program software. There is a lot that I'm not good at. 
but it turns out I'm pretty good at running a church in a pandemic. I love a creative challenge. <laughs> I was afraid you would do that, but <laughs> I love a creative challenge. I have video editing and graphic design skills. I know how to run a decent Zoom meeting. I'm creative with things like drive-through communion and worship at home kits. And I was a quick study on things like MailChimp and web design and YouTube. I write a lot of thank you notes and I check my email seven days a week. And I didn't make sourdough bread at home, but I did make sourdough crackers and pancakes and marmalade for the neighbors. And I perfected some fantastic cocktails. This all, all of it, came in handy the last two years. And if you want to talk to someone who has been overtaxed by her competence, I'm your gal. One reason I think I was a good choice for pastoring this church is to be a competent person among a lot of other very competent people. So yes, I'm looking at all of you. We are pretty competent folks and we pay a price for that competence. Our competence keeps us from taking the risks to do what matters most. Our competence distracts us from listening to what might be below the surface of things. Our competence propels us through life at a pace that is unsustainable for our souls. Our competence keeps us mistaking our competencies for our worth. Our competence deceives us into thinking we are defenseless and alone in the world without competency. Moses was also a really competent guy. He had grown up in a royal household as an adopted or foster child, however you want to think of it, likely having access, though, to all the privilege without having been born to it. His questioning of the systems and the structures of Egyptian culture led him to flee to the desert where one day he met God in a burning bush after years of being there years long enough to have married and have a new family and it's here where i'd like us to pick up today in exodus 3 god sees moses right smack in the middle of the desert his privilege and his trauma in the midst of all that he is asked to be the conduit for freeing the people of his birth the children of israel and moses has a few questions for god the first question is, who am I? Who am I? It's a question of his worthiness. To which God answers, don't worry about being worthy. You are enough just as you are because I am with you. Moses asks another question, what happens when they don't believe me? This is a question of credibility. To which God answers, okay, I, I see that you're going to need a coping device here and maybe even a little bit of a crutch. So let me give you a little trick that you can play. There's your shepherd's staff and I'm going to give it some power. So when you throw it down, it will become a snake or if you strike water, the water will become blood or you can strike a rock as we heard earlier and make water come out of it. This is kind of like your magic tool that you can use as you go about 
this calling. Moses asks, but what about the places where I am not competent? I'm not a great speaker. Now, if there's one thing competent people can't stand, it's not being competent at something that they're asked to do. To which God answers, I gave you your mouth, so don't worry about it. <laughs> but no, says Moses, really, I am not comfortable speaking in front of all those people. And so God allowed Moses' brother, Aaron, to speak for him. And it turns out that Moses did quite a bit with that staff and with his brother as his mouthpiece. This weekend at our women's retreat, uh, we've had, I've been speaking and sharing this space with two of my dear friends, and you're going to hear from Brittany in just a minute, but um, my friend Laurel, who's a therapist and artist, um, talked about the ways that our belovedness gets hidden by our crutches and our coping devices and our dependencies and our competencies. So she did a little illustration with us, and I want to invite her up to help me with one. And so, uh, Laurel, if you just stand, like, right here, you're going to be Moses, just as you are. This is kind of me making up for telling a story about men on a women's retreat weekend. <laughs> so you're Moses. And here's your staff. Can you just put that right in front of you? Okay, great. All right. And then, um, so you've got your, you, here you are, and your belovedness, just, just perfect as you are ready to do what God has called you to do, but you kind of need this in front of you to help you get through, kind of hold on, play a few tricks. Great. And then you also need a, a brother, but in this, in this instance, I'm going to ask for sisters. So I'm going to ask Margie Lee to come down and be Aaron. I don't know, what would you call, we call you Arena or something? I don't know. Um, so you're going to stand right in front of Laurel. Great. So this is, this is Moses, you know, uh, composition here. Moses is beloved by God, enough all and on his or her own. And in front is the staff, and then his brother, and probably a few other things that we can't see that got developed over time. And God did amazing things with all of this. But all of these things can only get us so far. And eventually, some of those things get a little tired. So, Aaron, you can go and, you know, go build a golden calf or something. And uh, <laughs> you can, <laughs> and this staff is going to get a little heavy. So, you know, you're done with that. And here you are as Moses, all on your own, a little tired, needing a little help. You can go sit down. Thank you, Laurel. In the story that Ryan read, we see Moses doing his thing, fielding the needs of his people, performing miracles with his rod and his staff. And then Israel goes to battle, and Moses gets tired. All of these competencies run their course. And Moses has to sit down. He needs someone else to hold up his hands. Must have been incredibly hard for a guy like Moses, a direct hit to all the ways that he'd been succeeding in life. 
And it's interesting, if you peek into the next chapter, into Exodus 18, you see Moses' father-in-law coming and telling him that he can't do it all alone and to help him form a team of people to help him in his leadership. Competence can be a curse. A lot of us have found the limits of our competencies in the last two years. I know I have. The unfolding of these times have been especially hard on those of us who pride ourselves in our competence because it turns out there are things we just can't outsmart and cannot outrun. I love the way uh, the philosopher and theologian Jack Caputo refers to God as the unconditional. God is the unconditional one who meets our competence and says, I am, and that is enough. You are, and that is enough. The God who is the unconditional dares us to rest in the unconditional, to just be here. And it is here that God invites us to return to our belovedness, to the places where we can hear God say, I am who I am, and I love you just as you are, and that is enough. God does not ask for our competence, only for our trust. We've been singing and talking about these words, I will be still and still here. I recognize how difficult that is for me because there's always one more thing to do. <laughs> and yet maybe this is the greatest act that we can do is to be still, is to lay down our competencies. And remember God's promise to us that God will fight for us. Fight for us, fight for our world to flourish and to grow Allow us to be able to be still. So I'm going to invite us to just be still for a moment together. And maybe just to take a moment. The things that are blocking your belovedness. Things that maybe you have put in place or have been handed to you. busyness that keeps you going. Just lay that down for a minute. As my friend Brittany comes and reads a poem to us. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. 
I know that you are tired, that your arms are heavy from the weight of the sword you've been carrying, but can no longer lift in your own defense. Your fingers grip the handles of familiar weapons that you have re-wielded in previous showdowns, weapons that you know how to use very well, but they are just not working on this battlefield losing your grasp on your shield, on that brave face you put on every morning, like it's the only thing standing between you and annihilation. I know that you're standing alone on the shores of the Red Sea, watching Pharaoh and his army cascade towards you on a wave of chariots. You've escaped them once before, and they just keep coming after you. You can't seem to get a break from this struggle and you're wondering if suffering is the only constant that you can count on. I hear your shouts to the heavens. What now? Why? Where are you now? Why have you forsaken me? Why here? Why now? What now? What God? Where are you? I know that you are out of hallelujahs, out of amens and praise gods, that you're tired of people telling you to just trust God when you feel like you haven't seen me in a while. Seems like I don't live up to my title of master of the universe when your world falls to pieces and it seems like I've done little to stop it. I feel the sting of your loneliness. I felt it before you got here. I feel the agony in your limbs as you go to raise your sword again, feeling like I've left you to fight alone, like I'm up there on some throne, safely removed from your wounds where I cannot help you and you cannot get to me. Your cries go quieter with every disappointment and your shield of faith is replaced by apathy with every heavy circumstance that you can't wrap your head around. But can I tell you something? It may be hard for you to hear me on that lonely place on your battlefield, but I am here too. And my sword is not heavy, so put yours down and let me fight for you. My shield can take the blow of any foe that dare oppose you, even if that foe is your own self. Even when you think that I am your foe, I still do not know how to leave you. Forsaking you is a practice that I will never study, so come close to me. And watch me throw Pharaoh's army into confusion. When they come for you, they come for me. So watch me cover you with a cloud by day and light your path with fire at night. Watch me walk you through the middle of the Red Sea on dry ground, surrounded by water that won't touch you, but will drown anything that tries to stop you. Watch me bring you safely to the other side just as I have done a thousand times, and I will never tire of reminding you, I will never weary when you worry. My wonders still work even when your faith doesn't seem to, and I know you can't feel it or see it with your own eyes, so close yours and trust mine. Believe what I have seen what I have said. The words I speak to you are meant to be your sight, so let me handle this. A master jigsaw puzzle fixer, I make masterpieces out of all your broken pieces, so hand them over. Put down your weapons and come stand with me, right here at the edge of your Red Sea, and remember 
that I never stop fighting for you. Thank you, Brittany. I'm going to invite um, Courtney and Katie and Ginny to come and sing for us. They're dear friends of mine who are visiting from Central Valley and from Southern California. And Joy's gonna be playing with them. And uh, they'll share a song that Courtney wrote uh, with us. And I'd like to invite um, all of you to give um, to this community, whether it be online or as you leave in the back this morning. Thanks. Oh 
Ah. Uh...